she wants you to go after the life you want, and he wants you to press the damn button. They're both business-minded creatives who travel the globe speaking to live audiences about how to get digital attention. Now they're teaming up to bring you into the experience. Welcome to Just Try This with Brian Fanzo and Amy Landino. What up, B? How's it going, A? You know, it's going really good. I'm feeling a pretty passionate about this topic right now, not going to lie. But other than that. I I'm am really as well. And I, I think it's something that we both, I think it's something we both get to deal with. I think it's something we've been embracing for a while, but it's mm -hmm. also a trend. Unfortunately, if you would have asked us a year ago, we would have hoped it would have gone in a different direction totally and i think this is that weird spot of um you know i don't like dwelling or giving attention to people that do things the wrong way right but when they continue to get rewarded for doing things the wrong yes. way it because it goes it from like annoying to things. like yeah how do yeah because it's it's ruining it for all of us mm -hmm. and especially for many people that we both know we both have very shared uh friends and influencers that have massive followings that yeah. that, that that are doing some amazing things and unfortunately because they're all kind of grouped together, many of them are getting the the downside of it at their level, and then it, it trickles down to you know more of our level as well. Totally. And it it turns into this thing where you're like, how do I draw attention <laughs> to the good stuff and people that are doing it the right way, when the people that are doing it the bad way continue to get rewarded? Totally, totally. And I think and let's let's just like break this down. I think what we're saying is that if you are thinking about or doing influencer marketing in your marketing strategy currently, what we're trying to do at this point is to just encourage you to do it way better. Because this is unfortunately falling on the responsibility of the brands and the agencies of the brands that are running these campaigns. So the reason I wanted to bring this topic to the table today is that I read a really great article recently by uh, an influencer and I'm noticing, I think her influence is mostly YouTube and Instagram. What I'm noticing is that there are, I don't know, this might be a strategy for people who don't actually have a legit following, but I don't think so. <laughs> I think it is legit uh, uh, nurturing influencers who have built an incredible audience and really think of them as their dear friends who are upset that they are in the same league as other influencers who did not do the the due diligence um, of what it needs to be in order to be able to be a true influencer. So let me expand on that. Basically, what I'm trying to say is there was a lot of purchasing of followers and views going on. And it's a big issue on Instagram because it's... Um, it's easier. Okay. On YouTube, you can buy everything, but it's pretty evident that it's not it's pretty evident that it is not a good it's not a good view or it's not authentic because of the engagement, but I can get more into that. The concern here is that brands and their agencies still continue to come to the influencer marketing strategy with the mindset of, okay, if they have X number of subscribers, they're worth this. Or if they have X number of followers, they're worth that. Or if they get X number of likes on average, they get this. And if they get X number of views in their stories or on their YouTube video, they're worth that. And this is probably the only metric that, that is really what they feel like they have to work with, but it's gameable. For sure. 
Um, one really kind of crappy example of an influencer who could take advantage of this system is let's say it's an account who's purchased all their followers or a lot of them. I mean, you're, you're bound to get some organic followers if you have a high following count for some reason and your content is reasonable. Um, but let's say somebody's bought all their followers or bought all their YouTube subscribers, you know, you're now hoping that those followers who had no allegiance to you whatsoever are going to be just as engaged in content as if they had a relationship with you. What do we know about that? Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Zero chance. Not going to happen. But how would you know that if you're a brand looking at the account and they've got lots of followers and they've got lots of likes? Well, they probably purchased the likes as well. Correct. And you wouldn't know if they did, if they bought them quickly enough. So, but this is, this is a catch. Like you can find out either way, because let's say I bought all my Instagram followers. And so therefore I have to have a ratio of likes that makes sense so that brands will believe I actually have real influence and engagement. For sure. If let's say you turned notifications on for me and watched a post the moment it went live, if I'm getting no engagement for an hour and then suddenly I have like thousands of likes an hour later purchased. For sure. Or if I didn't waste any time because I didn't want to get called out right? and I have thousands of likes in the first five seconds and the, it just doesn't make any sense, same thing. For sure. Purchased. And this is a lot of work. The agencies aren't doing this. The brands aren't doing it because they're hiring the ag- agencies to do it in the first place for us. Right. So we're now entering this really unfortunate realm of influencer marketing where there are some imposters and there are some legitimate people. And the only way to find out who's who is to pay for the services and to find out the conversion. Conversion. And that's it. And and the conversion is huge because that's another variable. For sure. The influencer could just decide they needed the cash. Yep. And so they could take a product on that wasn't a good fit. They grew their audience authentically, but the product didn't convert. So it, there's so much due diligence and most of it is falling on the brands. And that I'm not seeing enough just just smarts on that side from the agencies or the brands just to make sure they don't fall into this trap. And also, this is going to destroy the influencer industry and the legitimacy of it. It is. And I think, you know, I think for a lot of people out there, when we look at influence, you know, there's a difference between like celebrity association with a product mm-hmm. and true influence. And I always like to define true influence as someone or a channel or a brand that inspires action to be taken. Right. And so measuring that action, which you know, we, we both are big fans of affiliate marketing. We believe that affiliate marketing has its power. And a lot of that is because you get rewarded based on how many people actually buy a product with the link or the code that you provide. Right. Like I follow a lot of fitness influencers in the fitness space and I feel like fitness had been gamified for a while. Mm-hmm. And now they are very much like use my code. You get thirty dollars off. The influencer is going to get paid based on how many people use their code at the cart. Right. Like, right. And I think the weird thing about this is how do you determine and I think I, I've always said this for a while is us as influencers are also to blame because I think sure. for those that are doing it really well sometimes they're not good at telling the story of why they did it well or mm-hmm. what does it mean right like and I had this talk actually it's a little bit of a name drop but Sean Doris mm-hmm. I was actually uh, on stage uh, with Sean Doris and one of the things that we were both talking about was when you're working with a brand and it goes really successful, you have to not only know what that success is, but you have to be able to quantify what Absolutely. successful is. And mm-hmm. it's funny, I think you brought up agencies. I think influencer agencies, and, and this is no shot at the PR space, but I think there's a lot of people that in that influencer agency space that 
they they kind of loved the old social media days, and I, mm. I I like to equivalent the old social media days like a billboard. Mm. A billboard we used to say, okay, the billboard is on this highway. These are how many cars drive by that billboard per hour. Therefore, that billboard is worth this amount of money because this is how many eyeballs drive by that billboard on that highway. Mm. I think that is the most ridiculous concept of all time because yeah. A, you don't have a relationship with a billboard. You can't guarantee that people are actually looking at the billboard, hence why they should be looking at the you know the drive and the commute they're on. You don't know how many times that same car is one of those cars that goes by the billboard, right? Like just because on average, it gets 500 cars drive by that billboard every hour. How many times, how would we know how many of those cars are the same ones that drive by every single day? And mm-hmm. once you see the billboard once, it's not like you look at it and get inspired every day to continue buying, right. uh, buying a product. And I think this is an interesting dilemma because I truly believe uh, in the power of influencer marketing. I think I do. I, every, awesome. every business is in the business of trust. Mm-hmm. And we trust people far more than we trust a brand or a logo. Mm-hmm. And we trust people that we can relate to. Mm-hmm. And that relatability is why influencer marketing works. When mm-hmm. someone talks about a product that I've been watching them on YouTube for months on months or I've been following them and they recommend a product, I trust their recommendation based on the trust that I've been, they've established with me over time. I don't just trust it I am so tickled yes they share it with me and I <laughs> am like inside ready baseball. for Woo! it yes I am ready for it yep I mean like and let me just um speak to I am like we are both influencers on some level right sure. but I've certainly seen my influencership change a lot in the last year so this is very fresh in my mind at the moment I know that what I have told my audience about forever I have only said what's ever meant anything to me so I only work with brands I'm freaking pumped about for sure and that brand could even not even know I I, I am working with them for right. instance um, something I talk a lot about on Amy TV is how to make the most out of your time we talk a lot about calendar blocking, which basically is saying there shouldn't be any white space on your calendar. You should designate what each time slot is for. Do you need to spend three hours on a PowerPoint? Do you need to go take your dog for a walk for 45 minutes? Do you need to prepare for your day? Do you need to eat? You know, Just block out your whole day and really get an understanding of how much actual time you have. Okay, so that's that tangent over. However, if you're looking at a block of time and you're saying, I have 30 minutes for a journal entry right now, it's good to know when that 30 minutes is up. So I found these amazing time cubes on Amazon. And I was like, these are perfect. You just kind of flip them over and they start the timer. You just choose how much time you want. They're preset and they're great. And they go off and you're like, okay, my time's up. It's just a, it's a kitchen timer, right? For sure. But it's, a, it's fun. It gets you excited about committing to making your time more efficient. I, all I did was recommend these time cubes. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of Amazon affiliate because I can pretty much point to a lot of products and be able to profit off of that recommendation. For sure. But I'm doing it like very enthusiastically. The number of cubes I have seen on Instagram stories tagged with me in it, still knowing I was passionate about it, knowing it would be helpful, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. But then I think about when I'm in their situation and an influencer is telling me about something that would work based on what they know about the fact that I've been loving their content. And I'm like, oh, they were so excited to hear about that time cube from me. Yes. That's so cool. It is cool. To be a part of that conversation as a brand is so cool. So what I love is that it's being taken so seriously that brands are allocating the money 
to do an influencer marketing campaign, but I don't want to see them get screwed over working with the wrong people. And it unfortunately means doing a little bit more homework and also making sure your agency is going to be held to that standard to do that homework for you. And you know, it, and it requires the agency to understand what you consider success is with influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think a lot of people get in influencer marketing and saying, we would love to see a whole lot of views of our product. And then they get a whole lot of views and then you ask the brand, okay, well, why didn't you continue doing the influencer marketing product? And they're like, well, we didn't move enough product. And I'm like, well, interestingly enough, you told the agency that you wanted views. You didn't tell them that you wanted numbers on product, right? And like, and I think this is one of those weird spots where, and unfortunately, the where the the where this trust falls is when a brand uses an agency, that's one more disconnect, mm-hmm. right? And I think mm-hmm. oftentimes the influencer itself doesn't even know what the success metric is. Right. And they're saying, hey, we want you to place our product in your, on Here your channel. Here are your bullet points. This is, these are the talking points. You have to say this exactly this way and you have to do it at this point. I mean, like the rules are laid out. Yep. Oh, yeah. But you don't often hear if it's systematic, robotic, like we're choosing you based on the success metric we want. So that's cool. I don't have to care, but I do kind of care because if I am aligning myself with you, like let's do this right. For sure. Let's do this right. I had a software company come to me recently and they were actually interested in sponsoring uh, my podcast, uh, the other podcast that I do, FOMO Fans. Mm-hmm. And they had told me, and I, I gave them so much credit, and I think we're going to end up working together on a, on something. But they came to me and said, Brian, we looked at your LinkedIn audience and we looked at your audience that are listening to your podcast and we we're looking at it from like a holistic view. And you have a lot of executives in marketing mm-hmm. that are listening to your podcast. We don't, we, they never even asked me for the total number of downloads. Didn't wow. even, weren't even interested. They said, based on what we You've done on research. You have the target CMOs that we want to reach. So that they looked at me and said, our success metric is that the CMOs that follow you on LinkedIn, they were actually yeah. specifically doing LinkedIn. We want them to be aware of our tool and what our tool's functionality is. And I said, well, how do we quantify what aware is? Now, I will tell you, I asked that question because I am an educated yeah. influencer. I think for every influencer that's out there, you're a business-minded creator, you're creating content, you've been labeled by a brand. And remember, influence doesn't really mean sheer numbers. It's how many people trust you and how many actions can you inspire to make happen. And for me, I looked and they said, we just want them, if you can get them to comment or like on the post or even do some kind of giveaway, some kind of project where we know that these are this CMO level person is looking at it. Mm-hmm. And I was amazed because I was like, wait, a second. So they don't care if I could reach 100,000 people. They don't care if I have 5,000 downloads in a month. What they care is that a specific target, I'm talking maybe 100 total CMOs that, that it was in their like realm. And they're like, if you can get 10% of those CMOs to comment on your posting, your podcast on LinkedIn, we believe the sponsorship would be successful. And I was like, oh my wow. goodness, is this cool? Like that is And that really is a awesome. definitive answer. Without and, question. And mind-blowing further, we're talking about podcasting. Yes. Like they are dis- they are opting into measuring the success of a podcast sponsorship like you said not by asking for the behind the scenes metrics that most would ask for because that's the only thing that makes sense to them. They did their homework on where people are talking with you to know that okay if these people are following him on LinkedIn and he's this good at promoting his podcasts on LinkedIn, we need to connect those dots and hope that those same people are are listening cuz you actually can't prove that. Right, not at all. You can't prove that. Not one bit. But the math adds up for sure. What you're talking about, where you're promoting it, and who is responding to comments or or um, or DM or in mailing anything that could be social proof on LinkedIn 
which is probably the network they were prioritizing in the first place. So now they're looking, you know what? It could have been a LinkedIn thing. Let's just find somebody who's promising on LinkedIn and see where they are and how we can support that. So maybe they didn't even have a podcast ad goal in the first place. It was just, well, Brian has a podcast and we like his LinkedIn presence. So that's super interesting. And that is reverse engineering your success and doing your homework. It is. And I think that's where we're, I think doing the homework as the brand, the agencies that are out there. I mean, I think even selecting the right agency, right? I think sometimes we will throw influencer marketing under the bus. Mm -hmm. We will blame the influencer. We will blame. And I also think I'm not a huge fan of one-off partnerships or one-off campaigns. I like partnerships. Mm-hmm. You know, if a brand really wants to invest in an influencer, like partner partner with them on multiple layers, multiple pieces, maybe even multiple calls to action, multiple different deliverables, because that's where that you can truly see that number. Mm-hmm. But th- let's face it. I, I think uh, this also goes into, you know, it's scary. Influencer marketing is a new arena, even as much as I feel like we, we, we've been talking about it for years in our marketing social sure. media space, but I still feel... For many that are out there listening, this is still kind of a scary concept. And and if you have a company right now, I can guarantee that there are people that are your existing customers that are talking about your brand. You can listen to our other episode about feedback, but that are that are people that influence others, right? There's they could be a they could run a a, a mom Facebook group with five thousand moms in there, and they might only have five hundred Instagram followers, mm-hmm. but they have a, they're, they're running a group, and everything that they tell that group to do, the group does, right? Like there's an element of influence there. But I also think for for when we're out there listening and, and you're scared of something just because you're scared of this something new doesn't mean you have to give it the amount of time to make it work mm-hmm. right and I think this it's amazing how we will spend months on a new website or a new email marketing campaign or months upon months on branding in our local small business but we will spend you know they'll spend a year and they'll say okay we're gonna try this new branding color we're gonna try this new thing we're gonna test it out for a whole year influencer marketing they're gonna pick in four influencers test it out once give it two weeks say up oh, it doesn't work for our brand and move on mm-hmm. and you're missing that opportunity and I also think that's sometimes it might not be it could be that the product wasn't right the call to action was too confusing the landing page didn't convert right like I'm a big believer that when you're you as an influencer you have to tell people like my job is to inspire them to get somewhere to get to this point it's probably your job to close them whenever they're there right and I think close the deal and I think that's a that is also a big piece and I also think you know brands that are working with with influencers we, we just have to, we have to, I don't know if the word is exposed, but I mean, I'm, I'm really at this point, I, I get offended. I feel, I feel, you know, disappointed when these people that are buying followers, these, and, and, and you know, the trend started on Twitter, if we think about it, sure. the buying of followers on Twitter was, totally was started on Twitter. In, in, instant. I mean, it was a thing. I, mean, I remember oh, like 2009, the, pur- didn't the purge happen. The this purge year? happened. I mean, I, I have a, a, a friend um, that was over 2 million followers before the purge, less than 800,000 followers now. I mean, so, 1.2 million uh, Twitter followers of his were, were bots or bought. And that's, and so wow. the, the problem became, and here's the thing, and it's hard for me, like I used to say, I didn't want to blame those people that are doing it, but I'm going to blame them. But there's an element of like, hey, it works, right? Like they bought followers on Twitter. They were rewarded with it with financial deals. Although those financial deals, they weren't truly being influencers because let's face it, they're buying them. The, the brands were rewarding the wrong thing. I mean, I worked on a, a campaign in 2014. The only thing they cared about was potential reach of a tweet. That was the that was the only quantifying metric. Actually, wow. a mutual friend of ours um, was one of the people that was massively rewarded, and I was like, "Wait a second! Like nobody clicked on the link in the tweet. 
but they only cared about how many possible eyeballs saw the tweet, mm. right? And so that rewarded the, the person that bought followers. And yeah. then that concept, and I even see it le leading into a little bit of like the pod nature that we live in now where people are doing a little bit of dark social and they're getting people to like their stuff. Yeah. And, and I like to say, you know, it's great that all of your friends like your post, but I would prefer that if I have like two or three friends that organically see my post, that they can get it in their audience. The chance of that being more re well received is a lot higher, right? Like sure. the same 600 people like your post every single time, your your audience isn't 40,000 followers you have. It's those 600 freaking people. Right. Now it's it's cool if you're, if you have like a, ta I, I always tell people, if you're just getting started, get your task force. For sure. And be like, hey guys, let's just do this thing where we support each other when we're first getting started yep. and we like and retweet as much as we can. That's one thing, but the goal of that is for there to be some momentum to pump into the algorithm so that the person even has a chance for Correct. their content to be seen on a larger scale. I agree. So I love that, but you're right. There is towing the line of, is this an all pod situation or is it... Uh, these people are really helping me to prove to this computer that my tweet should get seen more organically across the board. So yeah, that's I, I love that you pointed that out because there's a distinction there. And again, that's homework that you got to do. You do. And I think you know, that, that's the lesson here, right? Like, we want you to, we, uh, I mean, we firmly believe, I mean, if your business is in the business of trust, which I will say every business is, mm -hmm. and you have to figure out how to scale trust online, your marketing department is not the only group that should be doing that, right? It is your employees. Employee advocacy is a whole nother thing that we can unpack. The fact that most companies aren't even leveraging the people that are on their payroll to talk about their product. And if you're unsure of that, uh, ask your employees how many of them follow your own company on social media. You might be embarrassed by the answer because most of your, your employees are yeah. probably are probably not involved. But you know, it's this element of you know, how do you build trust online? You empower your employees, which are what make your brand great. You empower your existing fans. You work with influencers that have trust. You build trust through helping people. And unfortunately, that influencer one, it's it is getting polar, you know, it's getting polluted a little bit by those that are either working with the wrong person or like you work with somebody because they're following, but you never looked at their content. And then when they still do the same content they've always done and you're then offended, I don't blame that influencer, that influence you know, and PewDiePie is the one that comes to mind yeah. from that concept, right? Like I was not disappointed in him because that was the content that he had always created. It yeah. was the brand that selected him and was ignorant enough to not expect him to continue to do the same type of thing, Absolutely. right? And do your research, not only do your research, but understand what success looks like, understand how you're going to measure that success, totally. and then convey that those things downstream. And I would argue that if you're working with an agency, maybe reach out directly to the influencer and make sure the influencer has that information. Yeah, and just from my own personal story, and I'm not going to name names of agency or brand, but reach out to those influencers and find out how they're enjoying their experience. Yes. Because I didn't even get to work with a brand that would have been a perfect fit. Not only was it a perfect fit, my audience was begging me for a video on this platform, like uh, saying, please do a review of this that you use. You've mentioned it many times. You've asked us if we want it. We want it. Yep. Show us. Somebody came up to me at Video Marketing World. Hey, by the way, really would love to see that review. Mm. And I was like, wow, in person. And at this point, I knew I wasn't doing it, which bummed me out a little bit. But what happened was the agency reached out and proposed some terms and we were very happy to hear from them because we were thrilled with the brand that they were representing and we wanted to work it out. 
Um, and then something happened where the campaign window was closing, but we hadn't we hadn't replied in a timely manner. There was something that happened a little bit of a my my assistant went on maternity leave, so there were a couple of things timing wise that just fell through the cracks. And we replied and basically said like, so sorry, this fell through the cracks. We still want to schedule this, but it needs to be down this many weeks or, or whatever the case, because I was booked up. All my slots were filled, whether it was with content non-sponsored or sponsored content. Right. And the response we got back was, and this is what's most upsetting for me because I was checking my assistant's email and um, we had somebody filling in for her to be the assistant, but the response was so disgusting of how negative they were to my assistant saying, why are you telling me about this now? You're really putting me in a bad situation with this campaign. The brand's campaign is ending. All oh. they all they had done was reached out and said, here are some terms we are hoping to pursue. Nothing else had been discussed. Then when we kind of got through that, unfortunately, then we said, well, by the way, these terms aren't going to work. Like, no, Amy will not mention the name of your brand in the first five seconds of a video because that's not how she opens her videos with a plug. Oh, it, so so we kind of had to work out a couple of those things. It wasn't moody at first, right? but we said, okay, this this talking point we need to change, this rule we need to change, here's how we, we would do it, here's how we would fix it. And we get the response, why are you changing terms? Like, well, because these were suggestions. We have not signed anything. Right. So uh, I wrote back, eventually, we're no longer interested. Because to me, this, this agency was talking to my team that way. I don't know if they would have been different if it was to my email directly. I don't know. But that was so unfortunate to me. I don't care how much I love that brand. If you have somebody misrepresenting you, they're mis they're misrepresenting you. That's the experience I'm having. And then what did I do? I subtweeted about it. I, di <laughs> I didn't mention who it was and I didn't mention who the brand was. I just said... Brands, you better choose your influencer agencies carefully because a perfect fit for my channel, I will not be working with because their agency treated my team so poorly. Mm. And then I DM'd the actual brand that tweet directly so that they knew I was talking about them and their agency because I wanted them to know. I want for them sure. to fix it. Maybe because I could work with them down the line, but they need to know because, and that's why we're talking about this here. You need to know just because someone told you that they have all these connections and they know how to get in touch with influencers and give them the right amount of money or the right terms and get you results. It doesn't mean they're treating them well. For and sure. that's affecting other stuff. So that was sort of like my little soapbox PSA I kind of wanted to do today. No, I like it. I like but it. it's really important because... I'm a business-minded creator. I have been in both worlds for a very long time. I started as a traditional YouTuber. I'm still a traditional YouTuber, but I also own a content innovation house. I am a speaker. I have been on the business side. I have I have online products. I have regular products. I got a book. Like I do a lot of things. I've seen a lot of things and I feel for all of these parties, the agency, the brand, the influencer, because I get it. For sure. I've been on pretty much all sides. So I, I just want to be a part of this movement that's pointing out that if we don't fix it now, it's not going to be beneficial to all of us, the influencers and the brands in the long run, if we don't really start doing our homework. So in this whole researcher influencers thing, like the, here are things we kind of just want you to try. First, 
look at the engagement of the influencers' followers. You can tell one thing that's happening on Instagram in particular is if you see anyone commenting the exact same comment twice or it's the same comment from lots of different accounts, there's literally copied and pasted text that these bots are using or these bot influencer or bot engagement is using. So make sure you're paying attention to those comments because that will indicate very quickly if anything has been purchased. Also direct your agency in what success looks like and then hold them accountable. Super important. I love how much you talk about this, Brian, and you definitely brought it to light. What does success look like? How do we measure it and hold them accountable? And then of course, you know, reverse engineer success to the right people. Work with the influencers that actually make sense for what the campaign is supposed to be. And if you're looking at, if you could put all these influencers in a room and take a picture of them and call them the faces of your campaign, how would you feel about that? I think that's super important. I think that's super important. What do you think their homework is today when it comes to researching influencers? You know, I I think it's, you know, I think the homework, when you're looking at the homework, I think what we have to do is say, you know, let's look at people that inspire you, right? I want you to look and say, of your last five purchase decisions, what was the reason you made that purchase decision? And more than likely, it's because a friend posted about it on Facebook. You saw an Instagram ad or an Instagram post. One of your favorite YouTubers Mm -hmm. saw it. I mean, the shoes that I wear on stage right now was because one of my favorite fitness influencers, and I follow fitness influencers because I don't work out. They make me, you know, they (laughs) they make me feel good about fitness, even though I'm not doing it myself. Um, One of my favorite fitness influencers on Instagram uh, works with that shoe company. The shoe is actually named after her. And I was, and her feedback back was these shoes are amazing comfortable for me working out for four hours on my feet doing high intense things and I was like wow I'm a speaker walking around convention halls on my feet the entire team time the last thing I need to worry about on stage is my feet but the what I would love for us to do is I looked at and said wow I've made a very high priced shoe purchase based on this person and then I had like almost reversed engineered so I think the homework is assess your existing you know four purchases or or three last three purchases and look and say, what inspired you? What kind of content it was? Who they were? And then on top of that, I think look and say, you know, does that brand even aware of that, right? Is the brand aware that that person is connected? Because mm-hmm. I think there's also an element here where, I mean, your example was so perfect, where your audience is asking for it, right? The Begging. brand, is, it's, uh, it's aligned. And I also feel like for us as like, you know, and, and Gary V gets this happen a lot as well, is that, you know, and I, and I, I do this with Vincenzo, uh, your husband as well, is like, you know, we will... If a brand isn't reaching out, we we all three fly Delta. We're huge fans yeah. of Delta. Their customer service is amazing. But there was a couple other airlines that there was some some issues happening. And I was like, you know what? If all of us kind of tell the airline they need, they need to mm-hmm. make attention to this, we need to. And so I think for influencers that are out there, you know, if you're an influencer now or you work with a brand and you had a bad experience, do what Amy did and make sure the brand is aware of where the disconnect was, what mm-hmm. the problem was. Because it wasn't their fault. It wasn't. And they pro- and unfortunately, more than likely, they have no idea. And I, I would guess more so than anything else, the, the agency threw you under the bus. Totally. And it was, uh, it was you know, a bad fit. They weren't fun to work with. Um, whatever they, you know. They oh, didn't do everything they, we said. Yes. <laughs> And, and unfortunately, that, that's the other, I think, underlying thing on mm-hmm. this whole thing is we want you to do that homework. But also remember, you know, if you are working with influencers, 
you're working with them because they have trust with their community. You must also trust that they will deliver your message in the way that is best for them and their community. They built trust because they do something a certain way. Changing how they do that and expecting the same results is idiotic. It's, and, it's and insanity. It, it, it doesn't make any insane. sense. And it happens over and over. And it happens in spaces where you're like, that just does not make any sense. Like, I do not, that product or that mention five seconds in would look so bad and so wrong and never get us to that success metric. So, um, I, I challenge everybody to you know look at your purchases, look at and and you know and even you know if you're looking at them and you're commenting um, back to the brand and letting them know that they influenced them, uh, you know tag us on Instagram. I think Instagram's probably yeah. one of the best places. You are schmitastic. That's right. Schmitastic on Instagram. I am iSocial fans on Instagram. Let us know. Hey, this is a brand. This is a person that influenced me. This is a brand that influenced me. And this is something you know I'm I'm very proud about. Yeah, and I'm just gonna ask for one more favor. You know, we've been doing this for a few weeks now, and uh, Brian have Brian and I have a lot to say. We, we do. do. We have lots of ideas. We have lots to say. But we want to know what you want to know from us. I, I, hopefully, if you've been tuning in for a little bit, then you've gotten to kind of get an idea of what our vibe is and how passionate we are about what we're doing and how much we want to help. So if there's a specific topic you would like to hear about from us in the future, we welcome that feedback on Instagram as well. DMs, welcome. Slide on in. Slide on in. That's it for today. Thanks so much. And we'll see you on the next one. Cheers. Cheers.